It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. An executive council panel hears an appeal against the ban on pro-independence, the pro-independence national party. But the party's convener says his legal counsel couldn't attend but the pan- because the panel wouldn't reschedule. An expert witness tells an inquiry into shoddy work claims that more concrete slabs need to be examined at Hong Hom Station. And the Labour Secretary says there's only a very slim chance the government may change its mind on raising the age for elderly welfare payments. An appeal hearing on the ban of the pro-independence National Party has ended after about 90 minutes. Speaking to reporters after the hearing, the party's convener, Chan Ho Tin, criticised the Executive Council's panel for refusing to reschedule the hearing, resulting in his council not being able to attend. As I'm not a legal profession, I can't fully represent myself in this case and I feel my uh, legal rights was deprived. I should have legal representatives with me so that my opinions and my point of views could be uh, represented by my legal representatives. My lawyers have seek rescheduling of this hearing. However, the committee reviews our application and they can't provide sufficient uh, reason with no good reasons. Mr Chan said he couldn't disclose what was discussed in the hearing for confidentiality reasons. He said he expected to be given a written explanation on the result. The National Party was banned last year because the government considered it a threat to national security. The engineer who helped plan the breaking open of the MTR's Hong Hom station to investigate claims of shoddy work says more concrete slabs need to be taken apart. He was commenting at an inquiry after tests showed problems with the installation of a third of the steel reinforcement bars. Tom McAlinden reports. Francis Au, the head of the University of Hong Kong's civil engineering department, was testifying at an independent inquiry looking into claims that steel bars hadn't been properly screwed into couplers. He noted that the government and the MTR Corporation had begun breaking open some concrete slabs last month to examine the connections. So far, more than a third are either unconnected or only partly screwed in. Professor Au said this was a real concern, since the problem had escaped the attention of the subcontractor, subcontractors and supervisors. He said more checks should be done to find out if there were defects elsewhere. He said whether the station's structural safety was affected would depend on the number of defective connections. The expert, who was engaged by the government to assess the project for the inquiry, added that the findings so far had reinforced his belief that there's a real need to continue the opening up process. He added that steel bars, which are not fully screwed in, can still provide some degree of support, but further laboratory tests are needed on the same type of steel bars and couplers used in the station to assess their strength and more calculations Calculations are needed to decide whether structural integrity has been undermined. The Labour Secretary, Lo Chi Kuang, has indicated there's only a very slim chance the government will backtrack on its plan to raise the age for elderly welfare payments from 60 to 65. But he says other measures will be implemented later this month to help those in need. He says one idea may involve bringing forward a plan to increase the amount of money welfare recipients are allowed to earn. Right now, the ceiling for disregarded earnings is set at $2,500 a month. That was set back in 2003, which is almost 16 years ago. So there is definitely time to review the, that particular amount. Uh, because of the discussion recently, there may be a necessity to uh, advance some of the changes that we are already considering in the past. Lawmakers will hold a special meeting in two weeks to discuss the matter. The chairman of LegCo's welfare panel, Roy Kwong, described the meeting as an ultimatum for officials to shelve or withdraw the plan, which takes effect on February 1st. The welfare minister, Mr Law, said he should be able to attend the meeting. 
Meanwhile, about two dozen people protested against the plan, saying many seniors are forced to retire at the age of 60, either due to company policy or because they're worn out and accused the government of leaving them with a safety net vacuum when they're aged 60 to 64. Legislator Andrew Wan said he understood that the government may further review age limits for other welfare policies, and he worries that the tightening of CSSA, or Comprehensive Social Security Assistance, is only a first step. Hong Kong is such a wealthy society. Uh, I don't see we have a financial difficulty to, to do that things. That is unfair to the elderly people. And it caused another problem of confusing the definition of the government service. I'm mostly concerned about is it the first step to tighten all kinds of welfare in Hong Kong. For example, I'm concerned about the, the public housing application. I don't see that as a single step. I'm afraid that the government have the next plan. And Chief Executive Carrie Lam says Hong Kong's solid foundations and proactive policies should help it deal with global economic challenges. Speaking at the Asia Financial Forum, Mrs Lam said the world economy had been affected by US-China trade tensions and investors were concerned about the pace of monetary normalisation in major economies and the progress of Britain's withdrawal from the European Union. This new year is already charged with the trade discord between the two largest economies in the world and uncertainties in other parts of the world. For many economies, including Hong Kong, moderated growth, and for many companies, diminished business and financial results in 2018 appear inevitable. However, for Hong Kong, I believe there are more opportunities than challenges. The Secretary for Financial Services, James Lau, says the government currently has no plans or timetable to relax the loan-to-value ratio requirement for residential mortgages. The minister says it's too early to make this move or to withdraw property-calling measures because second-hand home prices have only adjusted 8 to 9%. We have currently no plan, as uh, we mentioned just now, and there's no timetable as such. But uh, as financial secretary mentioned before, we will be monitoring actually the supply of flats on the market and also the correction in the, uh, and also the trend with the changes in the property prices. And also we'll be looking at the general macroeconomic environment and also the uh, local economic environment. So based on the combination of these factors, then we will be monitoring the developments and see what will be the next step. The driver of a minibus has died and 16 passengers were injured after the vehicle they were travelling in crashed into a boundary wall and flipped on Ching Mun Tunnel Road heading this morning. Police say they're looking into the mental state of the driver. Timmy Song reports. The minibus was travelling to a Shatin after leaving the tunnel when it lost control, hit a divider and flipped on its side. 16 passengers in the minibus suffered minor injuries while the 67-year-old driver was unconscious and trapped in the vehicle. The driver suffered serious head injuries and was pronounced dead after he was rushed to Yanchai Hospital. Police Traffic Inspector Wu Shengtai said officers are looking at the driver's mental state and the speed of the vehicle, but he said initial investigations suggest that mechanical failure is not to blame. The police said the driver had driven the route between Shaklai Estate and Sha Wai for two years and it was his third trip on the same route today. Official data show China's global trade surplus fell again last year as imports outpaced exports. Imports rose 15.8%, exports gained 9.9%, leaving the country's trade surplus down 16.2% from the year before. 
A Canadian man accused of drug smuggling in China faces a new trial today after an upper court called for a harsher sentence. Robert Lloyd Schellenberg was sentenced to 15 years in prison and a 150,000 yuan penalty. He could now face the death penalty. His retrial in the northeast city of Dalian comes against the backdrop of Beijing's anger over last month's arrest in Canada of a top executive from mainland telecom giant Huawei. Chinese authorities have since detained two Canadian nationals on suspicion of endangering national security. Overseas now, and President Trump has threatened to devastate Turkey economically if it attacks Kurdish forces in Syria after U.S. troops pull out. His comments come as the U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, continues his tour of the Middle East. Mr. Trump hinted that one outcome of Mr. Pompeo's negotiations in the region could be the creation of a safe zone in Syria for U.S.-backed Kurdish militias. Here's the BBC's John Donison. Mr. Trump has faced criticism for abandoning America's allies in the fight against Islamic State, in particular the Kurds, who also have a long-running conflict with Turkey. Now, in a tweet, the president has threatened to devastate Turkey economically if, as he puts it, they hit the Kurds. He added that the Kurds should not provoke Turkey either. It comes as a senior figure in Saudi Arabia's ruling establishment, Prince Turkey al-Faisal, described the US withdrawal as a very negative development. A senior Republican senator in the U.S. has urged President Trump to reopen parts of the government that have been shut down for more than three weeks. Lindsey Graham, who's close to the president, said a limited reopening of a few weeks would allow talks to resume between Republicans and Democrats over securing the U.S. border with Mexico. From Washington, here's the BBC's David Willis. Democrats have refused to enter into further negotiations until the government is reopened. And Senator Graham said if an agreement to fund the president's pet project, a wall along the border, couldn't then be reached, the White House could circumvent Congress by declaring a national emergency. Pressure is building on the president as this dispute drags on. Opinion polls show that more Americans blame him and the Republicans for the shutdown than they do the Democrats. The British Prime Minister, Theresa May, will make a last-minute appeal to pro-Brexit MPs today to support her deal with the EU on Britain's departure from the bloc. Many Brexit-supporting MPs have argued that no deal would be better than Mrs May's agreement, and she's expected to lose the vote. Here's the BBC's Vicky Young. Theresa May will travel to Stoke-on-Trent, one of the strongest leave areas in the country, to deliver her last-ditch attempt to persuade the Commons to support her deal. It'll be a direct appeal to Brexit-backing MPs. She'll tell them that Parliament is more likely to block Brexit than allow Britain to leave the EU without a deal. She'll urge MPs to consider the consequences of their actions on people's faith in democracy. One of, Italy, I'm sorry, one of Italy's most wanted fugitives, the former communist militant Cesare Battisti, has been extradited to Rome after being detained in Bolivia. He'd been on the run since the 1980s. A plane sent by the Italian government flew him out of the Bolivian city of Santa Cruz de la Sierra. Battisti was convicted in Italy of the murder of four people in attacks carried out by his group in the late 70s. The Italian interior minister, Matteo Salvini, gave this reaction to his capture. Questo è un assassino. This is a murderer, not a writer, not an ideologist. Reading some newspapers, you have the impression he's almost a philosopher, a free thinker. He was condemned by different Italian courts to various life sentences because he personally took the lives of innocents. He's a communist murderer, that's all. For me, he will rot in jail until the end of his days. Finance now and currencies. The US dollar is trading at 108.13 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 14 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 7 cents. 
short time ago. The Hang Seng Index was at 26,295, 371 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at 44 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. Only four teams remain in the hunt for the Super Bowl after wins on Sunday for the New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. The Patriots cruise past the Los Angeles Chargers 41-28 to at home thanks to three touchdowns by Sonny Michel who ran for 129 yards. Tom Brady passed for 343 yards to reach the AFC Championship game for the 13th time of his career. The Patriots will battle the Chiefs in Kansas City next week for a place in the Super Bowl. The Saints overcame a 14-0 deficit to eliminate the Philadelphia Eagles 2014. Michael Thomas caught 12 passes for a Saints playoff record 171 yards, including a touchdown. They'll host the NFC Championship game next week against the LA Rams. Next to the English Premier League, where Manchester United have gone level on points with 5th place Arsenal after a 1-0 victory at Tottenham. United have won 6 out of 6 under caretaker boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. David De Gea made big saves to deny Spurs the equaliser after Marcus Rashford scored the only goal. Solskjaer says it's important his players continue to enjoy themselves. I don't think anyone would be happy if we didn't win games. It's about winning games. But you have to realise when you're at Man United, you have to uh, put a smile on your face. You have to go into work every day enjoying it because one day suddenly it's over and then um, you look back and, oh, that was a great time. So they've got to just come in, work, enjoy it. If you win games, you smile even broader. If not, you wake up next day and you go back to work, try again. Tottenham are now nine points behind leaders Liverpool and could be five points behind second-place Manchester City if they beat Wolves tonight. But manager Maurizio Pochettino says their second-half performance was one of the best he's seen from his players. Of course, we were in clinical in front of the goal, but we create and play an unbelievable football. I think after four and a half uh, on Tottenham, I think the 45 minutes that we played in the second half were the, the best performance that I saw. Japan have booked their place in the knockout stage of the Asian Cup after a narrow win against Oman. Genki Haraguchi's penalty was the only goal of the game. Uzbekistan and Qatar also threw to the last 16. The Uzbeks beat Turkmenistan 4-0 and will play Japan to see who wins Group F. Qatar crushed North Korea 6-0. And finally, in basketball, the NBA-leading Toronto Raptors survived a scare in Washington. They blew a 23-point lead before beating the Wizards 140-138 to in double overtime. Serge Ibaka hit the game-winning three-pointer with 15 seconds on the clock, and that gave Toronto their fifth straight win. And that's your look at sports. And when the news, the top stories once again. An executive council panel hears an appeal against the ban on the pro-independence national party. And an expert witness tells an inquiry into shoddy work claims that more concrete slabs need to be examined at Hong Hom Station. The news from RTHK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. RTHK Radio 3.